Human traffickers in parts of Southeast Asia have been trawling social media, promising high salary jobs and easy loans, only to hand over the international applicants to telecom and online fraud rings. They often work closely with Iraqi Kurdish gangs who control most small boat crossings from France. It's Lotto, a China-based cryptocurrency exchange notorious for laundering criminal proceeds from the dark net. Western Cape law enforcement authorities are on high alert following a rise in gang activity and gun violence in recent weeks, especially on the Cape Flats. Heavily involved in both drug trafficking and in terms of violent crime uh, for the Kinahan cartel. Once a Haitian police officer, he is now the leader of a powerful confederation of gangs called G9 which controls much of Port-au-Prince and its suburbs. Welcome to The Index, a podcast by the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. This series delves into the Global Organized Crime Index and takes a look at some of the biggest threats facing countries and regions around the world. My name is Thin Lai Nguyen, and in this episode of The Index, we're going to be discussing the small Caribbean nation of Haiti, where murder kidnapping, rape, protection racketeering, and exploitation are a daily reality, as armed criminal gangs have captured large swathes of the economy. The number of gangs in the country has grown rapidly over the past five years, with names like GPAP, 400 Mawozo, Bas Pilate, and G9. G9 is led by the former police officer known as Barbecue, who brought together nine powerful gangs in Port-au-Prince linked to the ruling political party. Alongside their rivals GPAP, a gang coalition loosely linked to the opposition political parties, the violent battle for control has led this conflict to be described as the world's most dangerous gang war. According to the Global Organized Crime Index, Haiti has the highest levels of criminality in the Caribbean. Arms, human and cocaine trafficking financial crimes, and so on. More troubling still is that Haiti's resilience score is very low, at only 2.46 out of 10, which places Haiti at 174 out of 193 countries. We spoke to a member of a civil society organization in the country, and we began by asking him how the violence between rival gangs is impacting ordinary Haitians. For several years now, we've seen the phenomenon where gangs have used sexual violence as a tool in their efforts to conquer communities. If they meet any resistance, then they would use physical violence. And we've seen also that communities have been fragmented with with that phenomenon where different communities are occupied by different gangs. So when clashes occur between gangs, We've seen a lot of physical violence. Also, that leads to sexual violence of women and girls within the context of turf war between uh, rival gangs. GI conducted a study within one of the most gang-affected communities in in Port-au-Prince where not only gang violence or sexual violence in the context of gang violence is found to be an issue, but we've seen with the 
degradation of the social fabric resulting from gang control of communities and the absence of authorities. We've seen a high increase in domestic violence and community violence as a whole. It's a situation where the whole system is collapsing due to violence, due to the lack of the rule of law in those communities. And this also has a ripple effect, not only within the communities controlled by gangs, but also outside communities that are located outside of the direct influence of the gangs. Um, can you also tell us what sort of influence do gangs have on politics in Haiti? And what does that mean for the people living there? Well, if we look at the genesis of the current gang problem in Haiti, we can directly link it to the political and economic sector in Haiti. So it's been partially documented that government officials have provided weapons, have taken advantage of the vulnerability within communities that have been ripped by corruption and all sort of disadvantaged situation. So they use the vulnerability within the communities to armed young men young kids, I mean, as, as, as old as 12 years old, with automatic weapons in their hands, causing terror in the streets. So we can trace the genesis of that level of criminality, the armament of citizens within communities to the political and economic sector. And can you tell us what other problems gangs are causing in the country? The problems that gangs are causing in the country are many. Gangs have the ability to put the whole country on a complete stop whenever they want to. I mean, this has happened twice before where gangs have blocked the access to fuel and to the main roads for the distributions of goods and all sort of supplies into the other departments. Haiti has 10 departments and everything comes through Port-au-Prince and gangs can just block the access and put the country to a complete stop. Even where diplomatic missions had to evacuate their staff because they could not guarantee their safety and also provide them with resources that they need to continue to live in the country. So as far as the influence of gangs, it is total, it is complete. And what role do gangs play in human trafficking in Haiti, both as a source and a destination country? One of the phenomenon that is emerging with gangs and, and control of communities is the fact that not all the gang associations or gang cells are located in places that are lucrative in terms of hijacking trucks that are carrying supplies and also being able to do kidnapping as they would wish to do. So these communities are sort of under-resourced by their criminal activities. So there is a system of human trafficking, especially of children young girls being transported from a community that has less access to organized criminal activities that are lucrative to other communities occupied by a gang located in economic access. And also in the study that Global Initiative Against Organized Crime did in Cité Soleil, where it has been documented that 5% of the female population have been subject to human trafficking. And this is alarming because it wasn't something that was believed to be a factor I mean, there are other forms of trafficking that affects children, such as labor trafficking, which is something that the country is being plagued by, especially for domestic servitude. But in the context of sex trafficking in that form, this was not an issue that was concerning. And we're seeing it as being very concerning, seeing the 5% of the female population saying that they have experienced human trafficking. 
And how difficult is it to operate a civil society organization in the country, you know, given the threat of violence, as well as their influence on politics and economics? It is very difficult to operate as a civil society organization, although the politics itself is not a major hurdle, but being in a context of widespread violence and kidnapping and there is no discrimination in as to who would be affected at any given time. Everyone is vulnerable, so being an organization where you have to be the face of support for people who've been affected by violence is quite difficult. There is a lot of risk and danger associated with operating in a condition like that. I mean, as a matter of fact, many organizations have pulled out of Haiti in recent months, and there are few organizations left compared to before the gang situation has taken this level of amplification. So it is a very complex situation to navigate on a daily basis. It feels that you are in a, in a war zone and you have to be very careful and worry about your safety on a regular basis. So this is my last question. Now in the OC index, Haiti's resilience score was really low. What structural changes need to be made in the country to help build some resilience to organized crime? It is not surprising that Haiti scores really low on the Crime Index report, 174 out of 193. This was expected with the level of corruption and the cross between the business sector and the political sector and corruption and unusual when you throw the gangs into the mix. So it wasn't unexpected. It is one thing to build resilience at the community level. This is actually needed. This is part of what needs to be happened. But that in itself needs to be bridged with resilience at the institutional level. So rebuilding the institutions, reestablish the rule of law. As we know, at Haiti is in a situation of extra constitutional in the sense that there aren't any elected officials. It is in a transition period. So that needs to stop. Uh, there needs to be elections, but in order to have elections, they need to be security. So the election is not influenced by any particular group. There has to be fair elections. So it's a situation where you have to, you cannot skip. You have to move from establishing peace into elections, rebuilding the institutions, and then rebuilding the communities. So we need resilience to be built on both ends, at the institutional level and also at the community level, and then bring those two together. And at that point, we will see an increase in what we will call a return in normalcy as it was before, and then continue to build on that as progress is important. That's all we have time for in this episode of The Index. Thank you to our guest today from Haiti. Remember that in the podcast notes, you'll find a link to both the Haiti Country Profile and the Global Organized Crime Index. It's a totally free resource and available to everybody. Just head over to ocindex.net. There are also a couple of recent papers from the Global Initiative about the situation in Haiti, as well as a link to another podcast series from the GI called the UN and Organized Crime Podcast. The latest episode was an interview with William O'Neill, the United Nations designated expert on the human rights situation in Haiti. We'll be back with another episode of The Index soon. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.